Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's Word is truth and your questions matter. My name is Jonathan Romero, and we are in Ephesians, and today we will be focusing on verses 4, 5, and 6 of chapter 4. So, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4, 5, and 6. So, we've been talking about the unity that is found in the body of Christ, Um, and even before this, we start seeing a glimpse of what Paul is getting at, right? Uh, He talks about how he is eager to make the mystery known, or this mystery, and what is the mystery is that Jews and Gentiles, well, actually the Gentiles are fellow heirs, right? Members of the same body, right? Not a different kind of body, but we're all in the same body, and also partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So that is this mystery that Paul is speaking of in chapter 3, and he's letting the Gentiles know, right? Because he is writing to the Ephesians, and he's reminding them Paul's ministry, and not only that, that there is this mystery that was hidden for some time, and now it's being revealed, it's being manifested, and Paul is eager to let the people know this mystery. And the mystery is that there is salvation for the Gentiles as well. And not only that, this salvation is the same salvation that was received by the Jews, right? There's not a different way that the Jews came to God. Um, It was through the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, and that is Jesus Christ. And then we get into chapter 4, then Paul Again, reminding uh, the Ephesians about him being a prisoner for the Lord. And then now he is urging them to be in unity, right? Urging them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which they were called. Um, And then he says with gentleness, with respect, with uh, patience, humility, uh, bearing with one another and eager to maintain the unity of spirit. Right, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then finally, we get into verses 4, 5, and 6, uh, which are the verses that we're going to get to today. But let's uh, let's just go back and read from verse 1 of chapter 4, and let's read all the way through. Let's see. Let's just read all the way through until verse the end of verse 7. It says this, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, and with, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So there you go. That is verses 1 through 7. But let's focus on verses 4, 5, and 6. Verse 4 says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that would that belongs to your call. So what is Paul talking about there? What I titled this study, right? We are obviously going through Follow Me Through Ephesians, but this particular study, I named it the oneness of the gospel. So there is this type of oneness of this gospel that everyone receives the same gospel, everyone receives the same mercy of God, the same grace of God, the forgiveness of God is the same to all of us, no matter what background you come from, right? And I also subtitled it, A Recorded Creed from Paul. So, there is one body. What is this in reference to? This is talking about the body of Christ, right? The bride of Christ ought to be one because it is one. Whenever Christ returns uh, for his bride, his bride is not going to be disunified. Instead, there's going to be a unity with, within his bride to which whenever he comes and raises us up, we will all be raised the same way and we will all come to him together as one body, right? One body and it says, and one spirit. So that has to do with that. God indwells the body of Christ, just as our spirit indwells our physical body, right? One body and one spirit. So whenever we talk about ourselves um, and we talk about our physical body, we're talking about our physical body, not our spirit. But our spirit is indwelling the body that we're using. So it's the same way. It has to do with uh, with that God indwells, right? So the body of Christ, God indwells the body of Christ. Just as our spirit indwells our physical body. So those who are part of the body of Christ were called to the same hope that is found in the call to which we were called. Or the Ephesians, right? He's writing to Ephesians and reminding them and letting them know what's going on and what is this. And... He's talking about that there is this just one call, and it's the same call for all of them. And that those who are part of the body of Christ were called to that same hope, right? Because it says, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. So Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 speaks on our hopelessness apart from God. So 2, 2, it says this. Well, let's read from verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And you were dead in your sins and trespasses, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, and the mind, and were by nature 
children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So that's what we ought to be reminded of, that we were once there. But there is this one hope that we were called to that belongs to our call. Right? So this hope is a true hope because it is one that is found in the call. And what call is that? Well, it's the call to be part of this one body through faith. Right? So faith makes all this a reality to us but the faith is a gift from God so apart from God giving us this faith we will never come and come to grasp this one hope that is found through faith right and if we continue on reading in chapter 4 uh, verse 5 it says one Lord one faith one baptism so let's talk on that a little bit. So one Lord, what is that? Well, the one Lord is in reference that there is not many lords, but one, right? And this one Lord is the Lord Jesus. And he is unique for he is God veiled in flesh. So this one Lord is the Lord Jesus and he is unique. Because there is none like him. Because God actually stepped into his own creation. Obviously veiled. Because scripture tells us that no one can see God and live. That's how holy God is. And this holy God stepped into his own creation. In the person of Jesus. And it says one faith right so there's only one kind of faith that brings us to the throne of god without fear and this faith is the one where we deposit all of our trust in that one lord who is jesus right one lord one faith one baptism and one baptism speaks on that all believers experience the same baptism in which we were we are spiritually baptized into Christ so when Christ died we died we identify ourselves in that when Christ rose from the grave we rose from the grave because we identify with Christ put our trust in him and now he is ascended into heaven. and He is seated at the right hand of God. And we are there seated with him. And it says that in scripture. It says that in Ephesians. Right? Let's us know that when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So that's where Christ is. And we identify ourselves with that. We identify ourselves being with him in the heavenly places, it says. Because it tells us in verse 5 of chapter 2, even when we were dead in our, sin, our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
So that is the reality that we can identify ourselves with now. And that's that's a beautiful thing to remember, to ponder on. And especially for the Ephesians who were greatly persecuted. And Paul is writing to them, telling them about this reality that is uh, found. And this reality is that there is one body, there is one spirit, that they were called to that one hope through the one Lord who gave that one faith that caused them to be baptized in that one baptism, the spiritual baptism that's found in Christ. So we were spiritually baptized into Christ. And the water baptism is just an outward expression of what happened to us inwardly, right? When we confessed our sins to God, when we asked for his forgiveness and put our faith in Christ, that is the reality of the inward baptism that happened, that we were, we came to the understanding that we were in sin and that we needed saving, and we came to Christ, and God forgave us. So what we do now after that, after that profession, after that recognition that we were once dead and now we are made alive in Christ, we want to express that outwardly and we are called to be baptized into the triune God. And it says in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. So we were, when we are baptized by water, it's just an outward expression of what happened to us inwardly. Water baptism does not save. Water baptism is just a picture of what God has done already. And I think that's important to understand, to learn. Because many people, lots of Catholics, or just about all of them, um, baptize their children. Why? Because they think that if they baptize their children, uh, they will be saved so that whenever they die, they will be with God forever. But there's a problem there. That's works-based salvation. Water baptism does nothing but gets us wet. There has to be an inward change because we are sinners. Well, we were born dead. And God has to make us alive. And that's what it says in chapter 2. It says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So God made us alive, not water. And then let's get to verse 6. In verse 6 it says, One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. If you noticed... Paul referenced the Holy Spirit. Paul referenced the one Lord, who is Jesus Christ. And Paul is referencing the Father now. So this creed, right, this recorded creed from Paul is a triune creed, right? So when it came to our salvation, all three take part in this saving, right? There's not a disunity within the triune Godhead. Instead, they were all in unison in 
the redemption of us. Well, us who believe, right? So we have to understand that this is the same God and the same Father of all of us who were called into this one call, right? If you remember in chapter 1, verse 5, it says, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So God predestined us to be his children, men and women and children, right? But this is done through this faith that is given to us, right? We spoke about that faith in chapter 2 of Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it is a gift of God so that no man may boast, right? We did nothing. God gave us this gift and this gift. Whenever we opened it, we found three things. We found the faith. We found salvation. We found grace. So that is what we found. So this is a triune creed. And one thing I want to say is that the church ought to have unity to be considered a healthy church. And that's what Paul is calling us here. God, through Paul, God is calling us to this unity, right? Many fall, many churches fall apart because they're because of disunity. But here God calls us to a unity that is found in the one body of Christ, right? When Christ returns again, he is not returning to many, many bodies. Instead, he's going to return to the one body that was being prepared and sanctified day by day. And Jesus prayed for uh, the bride. He prayed for the church. And he says, God, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. And this process of sanctification is that we may be more and more like Christ. So with that understanding, again, let's remember that we were all called to the same calling. So when it comes to preaching the gospel and giving the gospel to people, anybody and everybody, because the gospel call is that everybody is to repent from their sins and turn to Christ for salvation and they will be saved. Now, we do not know who God's elect are. We don't know who uh, will come to repentance, but our mandate is to preach the gospel to everyone and those who have ears will hear. They will hear the word of Christ, they will hear his voice, and they will come to him in repentance and they will receive forgiveness and salvation. So remember that and guard that within your heart and, and just always be reminded where we came from and where God uh, brought us to. He made us his sons and his daughters, right? So let's remember that. So take this with you wherever you go. Pray that God will sanctify you. Pray that God will teach you and guide you through his word that he may gain praise. Because he will receive all the praise, right? There is going to be a time where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is kurios, it says in the Greek that he is Lord, and there's not no other Lord like Jesus because he is the true Lord. 
So with that, just pray for insight, pray for understanding. Continue reading through Ephesians. Read the whole Bible, obviously. But as we go through this uh, teaching, reread Ephesians and keep rereading Ephesians. You cannot exhaust God's Word. God's Word is alive and active, and it will remain alive and active. There's not a time when God's Word is idle. It's always working because it is God's Word. And when God speaks, He speaks truth. And whenever He speaks, it's alive. It brings life, right? God spoke the world into existence. And now look at the world. Look around us. There is no way we can say that God does not exist when he has given us so much evidence through creation that he does exist and we know he does. But he calls us to repentance. So if you have not repented from your sins, if you have not recognized that you have sinned against the holy God and his just, just punishment is eternity in hell because we all deserve punishment whenever a thief gets caught by the law, the judge will demand justice, and justice will be served by that criminal. But see, this is where Jesus Christ comes into play, because he took our punishment. And the call of the gospel is that you believe this, you understand that we were guilty, and we were, it, we were deserving, we are deserving of God's wrath, of his punishment, but instead Jesus took our punishment on himself that we may be free. And repenting from our sins, asking God for forgiveness, saying, God, I'm sorry, I, I, I sinned against you and I recognize uh, what I am deserving of, but your son took my place. I put my trust in him and God will forgive. So remember that, trust in that, and don't take my word for it. Read through the word of God. Read through the Bible and see what I'm talking about, if you don't already see what I'm talking about. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero.